Mr. Hahn? You fought well yesterday. Your style is unorthodox, but effective. It is not the art, but the combat that you enjoy. Go winning. We are all ready to win, just as we are born knowing only life. It is defeat that you must learn to prepare for. I don't waste my time with it. When it comes, I won't even notice. Oh, how so? I'll be too busy looking good. What were you looking for when you attacked my guards? Wasn't me. You were the only man outside the palace. Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As you all know, I'm Ross Bacon. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGuigan. Mike, say hi. How's everyone doing? And as everyone should know by now, we're three, idi- three idiots? Two idiots. We're two idiots at uh, Craig Evans and Bears to talk about some movies. And uh, this week we are ending our martial arts kung fu month with uh, the legends themselves in uh, Jet Li, Jackie Chan, and the legendary Bruce Lee with... We're going to be doing Once Upon a Time in China, Drunken Master from 84, and, uh, of course, the legendary Enter the Dragon. And uh, before we get into uh, two Jackie Chan movies, technically, (laughs) why don't we uh, talk about what we're drinking? So, Mike, what do you have? Now that Ross is done with his Jerry Jones math, one plus one equals three. That's right. That's right. So, I'm going with a Bolero Snort, continuing my pumpkin, my pumpkin gauntlet. Bolero Snort Pumpkin Cream Pop. So, went with two pumpkin ales that really didn't taste super pumpkin-y. This is my first sip, but I have a feeling this one is going to be very sweet. All right. So, am I drinking? It's sweet, but, like, it's really good. Definitely. So, just on first sips alone, this was my best first impression of the three pumpkin beers I did. Okay. So it's not overly sweet, but I definitely like it. So Bolero Snort, uh, it is, looking for that, 6.3%. So right in my wheelhouse. So there's usually, Bolero Snort usually has like higher alcohol content too. Yeah. But uh, is it pumpkin-y? It is pumpkin-y. That's good. So, uh, all right. So Mike's got his pumpkin beer. I, on the other hand, had time to go shopping for beer, but I just didn't. So I'm going with whatever the hell was in my fridge. First off, I'm going to go with a drink that I bought as part of a six-pack a while ago, but I just haven't gotten around to. I'm going with a Sea Isle Spike Dice Tea, <laughs> and it's uh, 6%. I have never had this before, so I'm going to take my first sip on air, and we're going to get the uh, the live reaction. All right, sip taken. Okay, that tastes like iced tea. Um, yeah, that's just uh, iced tea. <laughs> Dude, I don't drink iced spiked tea. iced tea anymore because even in high school when drinking twisted tea was the move, that gave me the worst indigestion ever. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure I won't be feeling much better after this, but uh it's a yeah, six percent. I'm willing to bet it's you know, cause it sucks because none of these put like the ingredients on the can. Yeah. But like I'm willing to bet that uh Bald Birds Brewing Company in Jersey Shore, Pennsylvania, by the way. <laughs> Jersey Shore, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Sea Isle spiked iced tea. Try to figure that shit out. But um, 
yeah, they don't put the info. I'm sure that by the end of this, I'm not going to want to touch an iced tea ever again. <laughs> That's all. Right. Alcoholic iced teas just do not do it for me. Unless we're talking Long Island iced tea, I can get down with some Long Island iced teas. I mean, there was that, of course, there was also that gigantic um, flavored, like alcoholic root beer uh, uh, craze that happened. Yeah. With uh, what was it? Not, Not your, your father's. father's is the yeah. grossest stuff you'll ever taste. I mean, it was good like that first time, and then you have like another one, and you're like, oh, oh no, this is this is wrong. There's a problem yeah. here. Then they came out. They did come out with one that was like a Not Your Father's lemonade or something like that. That wasn't terrible, but it wasn't it wasn't good. <laughs> yeah. But um, well, I mean, you can we can all thank Mike's Hard Lemonade for starting that to begin with, but uh. Yeah, so there's that, and then I'm, I'm, I have one of like a leftover one of my um, beer of the month club things. So anyway, let's get into it. 1992, Once Upon a Time in China, the original, as opposed to the five sequels. I think it has yeah, five, <laughs> five sequels, and apparently, I watched the video ranking all five sequels because I was curious, and apparently, the sixth one. Might be the second best movie just behind this one. Oh, yeah? Is it also way too damn long? <laughs> um, so apparently the sixth one has our hero, uh, Wang Fei Hung, going back, going to America and fighting in, like, the Old West. <laughs> okay. So it's like Back to the Future 3. <laughs> <laughs> they also have one where he fights pirates, which I can get down with that. Kung Interesting. Pirates, like, I'm in. <laughs> Yeah, how is Jet Li not, like, in one of those Pirates movies? Chow Yun-Fat made it. Yeah. <laughs> but Jet Li didn't. But, um, but yeah, of course, this one. And now, you know who the director of this is, right? Um, yeah, he's from uh, the studio that we've been talking about. Well, he directed a movie we've also talked about as well. Park Sui? Yep. He directed okay. Double Team yeah. <laughs> with Dennis Rodman and John Clavendam. Yeah. <laughs> when I saw that pop up, I was like, all right, I'm sticking in. I don't care what's happening. I'm sticking this through and see what's going on. But this one apparently he took seriously. <laughs> well, this one is, uh, I mean, it's long. but it, So long. I like so the fight long. scenes. <laughs> the fight scenes are cool. Like, there's a lot of good fight scenes, but it is so long. You could cut the entire, like, iron vest storyline like that dude that suddenly like, is in the beginning in one scene and then suddenly becomes like the second main character by the end of this movie and it's yeah. he's like a villain by the he's like the main villain by the end and then yeah. he disappears and it's like you could get rid of that entire scene and we'd be short about half an hour and we'd be good to go now i will say this is some of the best wire work i've seen for fun. yeah yeah, and that's that's the best part about all three of these movies is that all three of these stars and Jet Li, Jackie Chan, and Bruce Lee, all of these dudes, you can be like, all right, you're our guy. You're doing these stunts, and then here's what we're going to do. So they're that skilled. You don't need to worry about it. Yeah, There's only a couple times in each of these movies where these guys are doubled, and it's it's pretty wild, especially like given that Jet Lee is more of like you know him more as like just the martial artist, whereas Jackie Chan, it's like, okay, Chinese Tom Cruise, <laughs> we're gonna have you drop from a helicopter from three miles up 
and you're going to survive it by landing in a, a this tiny little pillow. You ready to do that, Jackie? And Jackie's like already jumping out of the plane. You yeah. know, it's like <laughs> he's already just his craziest on man. Whereas like Bruce Lee was like the director, writer, all that. He was he was very much like the movie star in the making of all of them. But Jet Li is. It's funny because this is how he looks in Lethal Weapon 4, which is what really introduced him to the United to the um, to the American market. So the whole time I'm just saying I'm like picturing like Mel Gibson's gonna jump out of nowhere and just like make some racist ass jokes towards him. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's gonna have to kick his ass. <laughs> but this movie is like a semi historical drama, uh, historical piece because the main character existed. I was for some reason I had this weird feeling that we were getting yet another version of the Yip Man story. <laughs> like I was like, oh no, did we did we accidentally do this shit again? <laughs> <laughs> we accidentally talked about the Yip Man for three different movies, <laughs> right? Three different times. I was like, oh no. <laughs> then it turns out some other guy. But the weirdest thing was when because the, the 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 one of the subplots of this movie is that our villains are in league with these corrupt Americans who are taking Chinese laborers over to the United States to basically build the railroads. But they're telling them that they're going there for gold. And they're essentially becoming slaves, you know, because the railroads were written on the, written on the backs of, this, this the, backs of the Chinese. This basically him fighting against corrupt westernization. Right. And, but in this, I wasn't expecting to actually have like English in this movie. Yeah. Like the Americans speak English. But the funniest part is there's a part where they show up to this like it's it's a fort. It's like a it's like a military fort, but it looks like it's it came across to me as like the American embassy. <laughs> because the way they talk about this place, it's like this no man's land where you, if you go in, you're subject to whatever the Americans want to do to you. So I was like, yeah, it's the it's American embassy basically. Yeah. But the way they're set up on it is kind of like the castle in Monty Python, the Holy Grail. <laughs> and at one point they do go there and they're looking for this guy, Jackson. And then one, one dude on the top's like, Jackson's not here. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> he ain't here, man. I was like waiting for him to do like this like, weird, like redneck, like Southern version of John Cleese's uh, asshole Frenchman. And Holy <laughs> your, <Grail>. <laughs> your mother was a hamster. <laughs> right. Your mother was a hamster and she smells like elderberries. <laughs> Get out of here, Yankee scum. <laughs> they start throwing cows at them. They're <laughs> just chucking pigs and shit or something like that. Yeah. Run away! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, what the hell is happening here? And and we also get, of course, since this is this is the uh these are americans and of course they're villains in this movie they of course shoot up a movie theater basically <laughs> they shoot up a play yeah and because these americans and their guns but as we find out jet lee apparently can his hand is a gun too <laughs> you know because he can flick a bullet a little like you know flintlock pistol bullet as fast as a regular but as one could be fired so at least kung fu teaches you that <laughs> That's, that always rem- like the way it reminded me of uh, an American dad quote where S- Steve's like, I want to take karate. And Stan puts a gun on the table. He's like, Here's the only thing you need to know about karate, Steve. Gun beats karate 
every time. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's kind of the lesson in this movie. It's like guns. And at one point, like the one dude that Iron when Iron Vest dies, his like dying line is like guns will always win or something like that. I was like, really? <laughs> okay. Wasn't expecting anti-gun propaganda in my historical kung fu movie, but okay. <laughs> but again, so story. They try to go for the whole historical thing, but I think they don't do nearly as good of a job as the Yip Man or even the Grandmaster. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's very, and that's why this movie feels it feels long too because it's it's very convoluted in the the story it's trying to tell you. And I was basically waiting to get to the fight scenes because the fight scenes are awesome. Oh yeah, they're awesome. Like that ladder sequence where mm-hmm. they're fighting on the ladders. That's that was cool as shit. But and even in like the theater, like the plays shoot up, like when Jet Li's kicking everybody's ass, like amidst like guns being like bullets whizzing by his head, like even that was pretty cool. But there's so much like I was just genuinely confused at one point at who the bad guys were supposed to be, because Jet Li is made out to be like this revolutionary that leads this like militia or whatever, but we never actually see him leading this militia. Yeah. He's always just performing like back alley medicine. <laughs> he's like the local, like he's like the local, um, uh, what the hell are they called? Um, oh, there's little, uh, there's fuck urgent care. He's like the local yeah. urgent care of like the little town and all that. And I was like, what are we doing? You're like, this is a good dude. Like everyone likes this guy. Why do the cops not, like him and say he's like this weird revolutionary like what i don't they haven't shown that they're just kind of telling you that's what happened i'm like i don't none of that's none of that's happening on screen the dudes that are burning down his house much worse than him you know yeah that's again they go about it all wrong with tell if they're trying to go for the historical take they're telling all the wrong parts of the story or at least excluding they're excluding very important parts in favor of time wasters, essentially. Yeah, and the whole thing takes place in Foshan, which is where Yip Man takes place. And I was yeah. like, oh, wait, we backdoored this, didn't we? Did We backdoored a Yip Man story into this fucking Jet Li movie. <laughs> but I was like waiting for him. If they, if they wedged Yip Man into this story, it would have weirdly made it make more sense. Because we're used to seeing the Yip Man story, which is like, Yip Man good, Japanese bad. And, you know, so this one, it would be, I think flip, this, swap out the Japanese, it'd be American. the Yip Man, though. Yeah, probably. But, so, but watching this, like, the Japanese are swapped out for the Americans in yeah. in this. So, it's like, you, it's the same story, really. But, except now this time, our main character is, like, purposely framed basically to be the bad guy and it 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 just doesn't work because like i said we never see him doing anything bad he's always defending himself or treating wounded you know and then he gets broken out of jail at the end by like supporters of his i was like where was this the entire movie like where where was this it's it's very weird storytelling so this so wong fei hung uh predates yip man by probably like 40 years or so because he lived from 1847 to 1924 so his prime would have been like the later 1800s where Yip man would have been 1930s 
who cares? I mean, it's <laughs> who cares? I know, I know Mike's the, the Asian historian, but with this movie, who gives a fuck? You know, it's like, just, <laughs> just give me this, this, uh, Apparently, the writer of this movie didn't really give a You didn't give a shit, you know? <laughs> just like, give me some cool fight scenes and a general story, you know? Enter the Dragon, we'll get into Enter the Dragon is just martial arts James Bond. That's all mm-hmm. it is. And you don't need to think of it as any more than that. Like, there's a little bit of social commentary in there, but you don't need to think about it any more than that. Drunken Master is basically like it's a weird like alcoholic propaganda, like pro-alcoholism propaganda, <laughs> which we'll yes. get into. Alcohol gives you superpowers. That's the weird storyline that this goes is where but with this, it's the Americans are supposed to be the villains. Yet for a good amount of this story, like the beginning of this movie, they're portrayed as like gold rush people like the gold rush like being the greatest thing ever and the world is like trying to get in on it but obviously in reality when it's real at the end that it's just a, a ploy to get chinese workers to build the railroads and then of course traffic their women over there to become prostitutes but it's it's weird that it's not revealed until like the end what their real plan is like we're just set up with this weird shadowy like evil man but who also knows chinese and kung fu (laughs) so it's kind of like where is the line here like we don't have who are these 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 white people look european but they don't act it (laughs) yeah yeah that's for sure it's funny the weird irony of this to me is they're going this hard to build a railroad system in the united states where the united states for the last 40 years has completely neglected adding any modern railroad systems right yeah and i love how that's like for some reason that's like a new meme like right now like people somehow trying to support the railroad and the train travel by train all right bullet trains are badass well, I mean, it's like, where did this come from? <laughs> where is this all of a sudden this train love from, you know? Is it well, bullet train? Did bullet train start are, this? <laughs> people are fighting for modernized trains and bullet trains in the U.S. Because then you lose a lot of the, then the need for cars goes down and the carbon footprint goes down. So they're saying if the United States had a better public transportation system, we'd lower the carbon footprint. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And we're put California's pushing everyone to buy an electric car. Meanwhile, the electric grid can't hand, can't sustain the fucking chargers. You know, yeah. it's we're, we're thinking too far ahead without actually taking the right first step. You know, we're trying, we're like, hey, we're getting to the end pretty great. Aren't we going to be awesome with our electric cars? Yeah, but we can't charge them <laughs> because we don't have the infrastructure and the grid can't handle it. Yeah, well, who cares? We're at, we're we're virtue signaling how great we are with our electric cars. It's like Awesome. What a wonderful time to be alive with humanity. Yeah. <laughs> I love how you people think before doing anything. But then there's, like I said, there, there's also the cliche, which hasn't happened and doesn't happen in these other movies, of the bad guy is also a rapist. You know, yeah. we, we for some reason, we get bad guys are rapists and a sexual, a sexual assault and all that shit. And it, it's very weird because it's none of these other movies that we've talked about. None of them. And to have it in this, I was like, is this the no. 90s? Like, is this the 90s influence right here? <laughs> now, we don't get bad guys or rapists necessarily in Enter the Dragon, but we do get bad guys as sex trafficker. Well, and that's the thing. He's a Bond villain. So you expect him to be doing some, like, prostitute trains with his guests, you know, all that. But 
with this one, there's like an active attempted rape mm-hmm. and lots of assault on all kinds of women. But it's it's weird, like because the kung fu movies we've talked about before haven't had any of that, and they barely yeah. had women at all in them. And so for the women to show up in this and suddenly be taken away from like all their agency and all their strong female like characteristics taken away from them, they're not the kick-ass women that we've seen like Eight Diagram Pole Fighter. Yeah. You know, they're they're not the badasses that we see in that. Even fucking Sonya Blade and Mortal Kombat and Katana have more agency and characters than any other female character. Yeah, they at least get movies. some sort of fighting, <laughs> right? They can they can hold their own in the fight, but. It's with this, it's like, wow, this is such a weird, like, Hollywood thing to throw in here. And this wasn't the Hollywood crossover. You know, this is this was not that. Neither was Drunken Master. And you're the dragon is the one that was that. And of course, we do get some titty in that. But other than that, it's so weird to have it in this movie because not only is it too long, not only are the story's kind of convoluted, but then we get this weird, like, Hollywood cliche thrown in here. It's like, who made this movie? Oh, right. The director of Double Team. Okay, we're good. <laughs> Never mind. I understand now. No, I'm good. I accept all flaws of this movie now. But that's the thing. So, like, as much as I like the fight scenes, the fact that that is not what we've been talk- like focusing on our discussion shows that the rest of the movie is meh at best. Yeah, and it, and of course, since it is Jet Li, you know, your fight scenes are going to kick ass. And yeah. the dude is so good at what he does, like the other two we'll talk about. It's It really does beg the question, because in End of the Dragon, we know the answer of who would win between Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan. Mm-hmm. Bruce Lee. <laughs> but if you throw Jet Li into the mix here, the real question does kind of become, who would come out on top? Jackie Chan is indestructible so it would take forever to kill him <laughs> Bruce Lee you just kind of get away for the heart attack to take him <laughs> but he'll kick your ass up and down you just got to be able to hang with him <laughs> I don't have much more to say on this movie really I do because um, what's his name Yim the Iron Best guy gets yeah. gunned down like fucking Sonny Corleone in this movie <laughs> yeah Spoiler for The Godfather for anybody who hasn't seen it. But he gets taken out like Sonny fucking Corleone. He is riddled with bullets. And I was not expecting, especially like even with the play scene, I wasn't expecting the blood squid budget in this movie. Like they go for the blood in this and it's pretty great. (laughs) Because it's like real blood. It's not that wet, like red paint that we've been seeing and we will see in Enter the Dragon. But it's just kind of crazy that all of a sudden we get these like, Hollywood action tropes in here and it's this Hong Kong action flick. It's like, okay, all right, I'm down for it. Now let's shave off 45 minutes and I think we'll be good. (laughs) Yeah, that's a, it's a historical, historical Kung Fu movie that doesn't hit the right beats on the historical aspect and doesn't focus on the right parts of the history to make the story worth watching, even though the fights really are cool. Yeah, like I said, like, especially like, and I haven't bothered to try YouTube, but if you can find the ladder scene on YouTube, it's pretty, it's pretty sweet. Like the, the ladder scene between Jet Li and uh, Iron Vest is pretty awesome. But, um, all right. So that's probably enough about that. So Mike, how's your bear? Doing good. Uh, just about finished my first one. Um, right now, I would say this is the, even though we're early into the gauntlet of pumpkin beers, this is the front runner at this moment. 
Oh, Bolero snored out front right away. But um, yeah, and my uh, Sea Isle spiked iced tea from Jersey Shore, Pennsylvania is um, it's drinking like an iced tea. And I'm not I'm not an iced tea guy. Like I'm more of if you're going to give me iced tea, it's got to be like an Arnold Palmer. You know, I got to have some lemonade to cut that shit. And I don't know. I just I just don't I don't dig on it. And I'm sure there's a there's got to be people out there that do because Mike's hard lemonade and twisted tea have been popular for how long? Like there is an audience for this crew, this, this drink out here, but it ain't this guy. I can tell you that, but um, it's not, I don't regret drinking it. Like I did the Mike's hard lemonade. Yeah. <laughs> like I still have flashbacks of that, but that's still a PTSD causer. <laughs> absolutely. But now this, it's not bad. I mean, it's, I'm not going to have it again, but it's, it's not terrible. So now it's a 1984's Drunken Master, or depending on wherever you find this movie, The Legend of Drunken Master. It also might be from 1994. It's Which is so fucking confusing. So, all right. So the original movie is just called Drunken Master in English. And yes. it's at, it was released in 1978, but it right. re- was released in the United States in 1984. And some people call it The Legend of the Drunken Master, which is also the title of the sequel, which was released in 1994, which I happened to watch. <laughs> so did you not watch the original? I have seen the original, but in the uh, in our schedule, it said the legend of the drunken master. So I watched the sequel. Yeah, it did. And uh, but I was like, but I was like, I know we because I know when we talked about when we set up the schedule, I was like, we talked about the Jackie Chan one. So I was like, maybe I but just they're both the Jackie Chan one. Jackie Chan right. is in both of them. <laughs> and if you're on Amazon Prime, if you search for Legend Drunken Master and you click on Legend of Drunken Master, you get the movie I watched. But when you hit pause, the label at the top just says Drunken Master. So there is some sort of like technical glitch that is here that prevents you from watching the right movie if you're trying. (laughs) But now, so here's the beautiful thing with, because honestly, both movies are worth watching. Like if you look up Legend of the Drunken Master, very high Metacritic score, very high Rotten Tomatoes score, very high IMD score. And I enjoy both of them just because... Jackie Chan doing drunken boxing is endlessly entertaining. It's wild. Like, cause like I said, this movie's message is alcohol gives you superpowers. <laughs> it's also the sequel's message. <laughs> it's, it's probably the message of all of them. <laughs> so the sequel does have a moment where Jackie drinks too much and can't defend himself. Like he passes out drunk. <laughs> Well, at least there's that. At least there's the, the the pitfalls of drinking too much and starting a fight. <laughs> but both of these movies make me think of Bo Raicho from Mortal Kombat. He was... I he, think that's... He's, like, directly inspired yeah. by this movie, right? Yes. Yeah. But I laugh because one of his fighting styles in Mortal Kombat X, I believe, is called Drunken Master. Where every time you, when you are drunk, when you take a sip of alcohol, you get more moves that uh, up your combo ability. But if you don't take a sip every 10 seconds, you throw up. Interesting. (laughs) Leave it up to Mortal Kombat to make your character have to do that to keep able to be fighting or they'll just puke everywhere. (laughs) Because then there's also, I remember in Tekken, there was another, there was a character. It was like, I was like Wing or something like that. I forget the yeah. guy's name. It was like a yeah, little was, old man. Yeah, but he he was modeled after Bruce Lee, but had drunken boxing as his. 
Well, there was also like forest or martial law, mm-hmm. which look identical to Bruce Lee. Yeah. And then there was like this old man who kind of looks like um, uh, Beggar So in this movie, um, except he was more of like a like a like an old professor type. Yeah. Um, but he had like five different styles, and one of which was Drunken Master. And it's it's crazy to see because when you look up like Wikipedia and like you fall in a Wikipedia hole for this movie, you go to all of these fighting games we're talking about. And how they're all directly inspired by this movie well, to come up with this one single character. <laughs> I'm going to go out and say it. The drunken boxing fighting style makes for the most interesting fight, one-on-one fight scenes to watch. Absolutely. And it's, it's because, like, the, the stammering of the drunk and not being able to keep your feet, it's like a natural defense, <laughs> which is so weird but makes perfect sense (laughs) and it's great because it also adds so legend of the drunken master the sequel has a bit darker of a story than the original so they use the comedy the natural comedy of the fighting style to kind of be the comedic reliefs so the fights are meant to be taken seriously and they do a good job of progressing the movie but the natural comedy of jackie chan occasionally falling on his opponent and laughing about it is great (laughs) Yeah, and in and in this one, it's kind of off putting because for one, it's du- like the dub that I watched. The dude that does the dub voice is he's God. I don't I don't know if it's a sound mixing issue, but he's so loud, mm-hmm. and he's just got he's got the worst tone for everything. He's just very off putting to listen to. So in the scenes where Jackie Chan's supposed to be like an asshole to people, he comes off as even more of like a whiny asshole. Yeah. So when you you're you're like, this is supposed to be our hero, and I don't want to watch him on screen. You know, I just want him to do things and not open his mouth. I don't want to hear a single thing he says. But I'm sure the actual Chinese version makes him more it's probably more natural because you're getting Jackie's like natural voice. <laughs> so it probably makes more sense. Now I will say, so legend of, I, all right. So drunken master will be referring to the 1978 or 1984 original legend of the drunken master will be referring to the 1994 sequel. So legend of the drunken master, the last fight scene might be my favorite one-on-one fight scene I've ever seen because you're watching Jackie Chan do his drunken boxing and you're watching the villain almost kind of try and copy the drunken boxing to counter the drunken boxing and it just looks awesome i bet yeah so whereas in this one in 84 drunken master with a villain known as Thunderleg, which i thought was hilarious and this dude is he's renowned for his kicking style and then he has this shadowless hand shadowless hand technique which is basically him just waving his hands in front of your face and then punching you somewhere in the middle of that. And when Jackie starts to put together his, um, it's like the eight, um, it's like the eight immortals or the eight gods technique or something like that. Each of the eight gods has a different drunken fighting style. And the one that he hasn't mastered is the drunken Miss Ho style because he thinks, and I quote, it's sissy stuff. And it's like, this is sissy, I won't do it. Because, you know, it's a woman and he's a guy. So why would she know how to fight, you know? Even though there's, clearly, if she's a like a god, a fighting god, she must know something, you know? And 
so he that's the one style he doesn't practice, but that's the one he has to kind of improvise on his own by mixing together the other seven styles. So he's got to come up with his own drunken style to counteract the basically like the slap, like the super slap fighting. It's kind of like if you've ever seen the TV show. It's a very limited show, Better Off Ted. On uh, on it was on ABC briefly. I think it might be on Hulu or something now or Netflix. There's one character he does what's called Quad de la Rancha, where he's it's it's like Peruvian or something for um stop with the like leave or we'll start with the slapping or something like that. <laughs> oh, so and it's just him just slapping you constantly in the face, and that's what this reminded me of with his shadowless hand technique, slapping you in the face. <laughs> It's slap fighting brought to you by <laughs> Steven Seagal. Right. Yeah, it's 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 just, it's like fast Steven Seagal. If students yeah, if Steven Seagal didn't do his like casual just slap fighting and was like kind of on like 20 energy drinks, this is what that Steven would be. Seagal on cocaine. Right, exactly. That's what this would end up being. But it's the the craziest thing about this movie is Jackie Chan's character. Unlike when we talked about him in Police Story, in this, he's supposed to start off as this, like, spoiled brat, like, unbearable jerk. And he's supposed to basically grow into a person who learns that being a dick is the bad, is not the right thing to do. And he needs to care about other people. But for him, there's, it's weird because you can't watch the English dub and still feel like you like Jackie Chan. Because the the English dub's voice, the voice actor for the English dub is so off-putting. It makes Jackie's like over the top acting style because Jackie's acting style is more like it's kind of like professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. It's so over the top and so exaggerated because he's almost it's almost as if he's playing for somebody in like the 700 section of a stadium. You know, he wants somebody very far away to be able to see everything he does. So for his very animated actions in like restaurants where he's trying to scam them for free food or something. You get the you get this weird feeling of why wouldn't someone just come over, punch him in the face, and throw him outside? You know, it's like maybe I guess if it's his actual Chinese, it's more charming. I guess <laughs> I don't know. So that's why again, Legend of the Drunken Master gets a bit of a benefit in this because you get a more experienced actor version of Jackie Chan, where I think Jackie Chan gives a very good performance, and you get an English-knowing Jackie Chan, so he can do his own dubbing. Yeah, which I I wish had been the case for this. I really do, because Jackie Chan is funny. Like, he's a funny guy, and obviously in the Rush Hour films, and to a lesser extent, the Shanghai Nights and Shanghai Noon, or whatever it is, all of his American movies where he speaks English, it's he's he can be very funny and it plays into his as his stunts as well. But with this, it was like, we got to sell this to an American audience somehow. We got to dub it. I guess just get whoever off the street and just let them do. It. We just got to get English in an English soundtrack on here and then go. You know, that's we just got to get it out. Jackie will be fine <laughs> now. Again, I also think his character arc in Legend of the Drunken Master is a bit better, where it's not so much he's a bratty asshole that has to learn to, you know, be a decent person. It's more, he gets into fights a lot, which his father, who's a pacifist, disapproves of. But some shade, uh, there's like a shady kind of organization smuggling uh, artifacts out of China illegally, 
And Jackie Chan finds out about it, and he kind of has to make the choice of be who he is with his fighting and kind of stand up for himself, or be who his father wants him to be and become a path, like, stop fighting. Yeah, whereas in this one, his dad kind of sends him away to a boarding school to be trained by a psychopath. Yeah. (laughs) That's about it. Because he's a troublemaker, and, like, Mm -hmm. that's it. But, yeah, it's... It's funny because even though this such it does have such bad English dubbing, we do get lines that are pretty great. Like you know, Freddie, you sure are the cat's ass. <laughs> it's like, well, okay, <laughs> what a weird thing to say. <laughs> and and then there's um, oh yeah, then there's the line. I got three mistresses with no kids. I'd be content with a chicken egg, but they can't produce that either. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> now. My favorite line from Legend of the Drunken Master is, you watch out or you'll have a body with no ass. Yeah, there you go, right? It's like, what? What's happening here? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But, I, I again, with the dubbing, I do appreciate that Thunder Lake, for some reason, has this weird British accent. <laughs> like, he's got this odd British accent. I was like, wait, this, is, this works for some reason. Why does this work? <laughs> it shouldn't, but it does. <laughs> As a little line, he's like, I warn you, shit face. I pick who I'm going to bury next. Say your prayers fast, because you're about to feel my iron head. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> he said, okay, so... Legend of the Drunken Master must share some scenes with Drunken Master because that line is said in this movie by a guy named Ironhead. <laughs> so there must be some sort of weird crossover, you know? Or maybe it's like, uh, and we'll get into a Bruce Lee, maybe it's like a Bruce Lee thing where they chopped together a bunch of stuff and like just reused it and hope Yeah, they might noticed. have reused some lines. <laughs> yeah, just hope nobody noticed. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's funny because Jackie is this. It's weird because in this we see him more as a fighter, and instead of like the stunt man that everyone knows, like the stunt man fighter that we all know him as now, or at least the American audience does. And so to see him actually using like kung fu and styles, it's pretty wild because you're like. Well, shouldn't he be falling off of like a building and like, it's like, shouldn't he be doing these over the top exaggerated stunts? But yeah. he doesn't. And it's, it's weird because you want him to, you know? Does, again, you get more of that in Legend. Yeah. Because you also by that get a time, great line from his boss in a restaurant where he's just like, if you have job, you wear pants. I'm like, <laughs> hey, he's not wrong. <laughs> he's not wrong. But yeah. And so, I don't know how much more I actually have to say about Drunken Master, but yeah. other than the fact, like, it's not one of his best, but it is one of his most influential, you know, okay. it, which is crazy. So I want to say Legend of the Drunken Master is one of his best. I thoroughly enjoyed every second yeah. of that movie. All right. Yeah. So, <clears throat> and that's, that's, that's the craziest thing about a lot of these movies. It's like, you watch some of these movies and you're like, oh, this is fine. The fights are cool. But then, like, you'll see, like, another one. You're like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my yeah. life. You know? It's like, you know, but they're basically the same thing, you know? And it's it's just, it's pretty wild how that happens. Especially, like, over such a large genre of movies. Like, kung fu movies are, they're more, there's more of those than there are war movies. You know? It's, it's kind of insane. But 
it's it really is it's interesting to go back and see like early jackie chan too because then there's even earlier jackie chan which we're going to talk about next where you see these guys and like okay this i can definitely see where someone was like this is the guy this is the guy that we were going to use and this is the guy that's going to be our star and then of course jet lee comes along it's like this is our other guy this is the other guy that's going to be our star (laughs) you know but all right so that's enough about legend of drunken master and drunken master but um mike final beer check in how's your beer um about halfway through my second one and yeah yeah throughout this is right now this is the front runner there's only three beers right now <coughs> in the race but and i'm not sure if it's beating westville yet actually oh yeah all right well and yeah westville is our current gauntlets over i gotta bring westville back and just let it defend its title westville is the reigning champ yep 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 so um all right yeah, my uh, my Jersey Shore, Pennsylvania fucking CIL iced like tea is almost done, but it's that weird thing where like even with iced tea, you get it where you get that like sediment at the end, and it kind of like makes it bitter. Like mm-hmm. that's I think I'm at that point now where I'm like at the bitter sediment at the end, and it's like oh, every aftertaste is disgusting. <laughs> but I mean, like I said, it's not terrible. It's not great, but it's not terrible. But um, all right, so. Now, on to the kung fu movie, martial arts movie, to end them all, which is Enter the Dragon, 1973, directed by Robert Klaus, who also did Game of Death. And, of course, he did one of my other favorites, which is Jim Cotta. If you've never seen Jim Cotta, you need to see Jim Cotta because it's gymnastics martial arts. (laughs) And it's awful put in one of those great ways <laughs> and then of course he did china o'brien one and two which is um i can't remember the actress's name but china o'brien is like she's like the american equivalent of like michelle yo you know where she kicked ass in like two movies where and like michelle yo is like okay i'm gonna parlay this into like an actual career the chick from china o'brien kind of did the opposite she did the these two movies and then it was like done that's it conventions for me for the rest of my life and i'll be good <laughs> But, obviously, Enter the Dragon, the craziest spread between budget and profit. Did you happen to look these up? I know it was like a shoestring budget, but I didn't see the exact numbers. 850,000 American dollars. Today, to date, 2022, adjusting for inflation, the profits on it are 400 times its budget. It is now a $2 billion movie. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. It is the highest grossing martial arts film of all time. It is the last of the Bruce Lee string of highest grossing Hong Kong action, uh, Hong Kong movies of all time. Because his first one, Big Boss, first one, highest grossing movie of all time in Hong Kong. Second one, which was... um. Uh, uh, Fist of Fury. Second high, second one, new highest grossing movie of all time. Third, and then I think it was like there was one other one. It was the one he did with um, uh, with um Chuck Norris. Whatever the Chuck Norris one is, I can't remember what it is. Third, that was it was also something the Dragon. Yeah, it was like Way of the Dragon. I think it was Way of the Dragon is what it was, and um, a Way of the Dragon. Yep. So Way of the Dragon. 
new highest grossing film of all time. And then Enter the Dragon comes out, blows them all out of the water, and is, again, the newest highest grossing movie of all time. And then the craziest part is Game of Death, which is essentially like Bruce Lee fighting Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with some other guy pretending to be Bruce Lee for the rest of the movie because Bruce was dead. He died when he was filming it. And that movie, even still on an $850,000 budget still made over $210 million in 2021 money. So it was $50 million at the time. So that's still wildly uncomfortably high money for these movies (laughs) as they say that was fuck you money that they were playing with and it's crazy that even a dead man who is in a movie that by all intents and purposes by all rights should not exist it should just be his fight scene of kareem abdul jabbar and that's it the rest of that movie is garbage that scene alone somehow made $50 million, basically, because no one came to see the other dude. They yeah. came to see Bruce. <laughs> so a dead man made $50 million on a flick, <laughs> and he was barely in. <laughs> that is Bruce Lee right there. <laughs> yeah, that's if you wanted anything that cemented Bruce Lee's legacy. <laughs> yeah, that is, it's, it's his life in general is crazy as hell it's kind of crazy fact that it's a pretty common debate to be had that this hundred what 50 pound dude could versus muhammad ali who had to have 60 pounds on him like that is pounds, a like debate. seven inches yeah. <laughs> that All is a common debate <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and I'm sorry. Like I said, previous, I said, wait for his heart to give out. No, it was a cerebral edema that, uh, that got him. So, um, it's with Bruce Lee, he invents his own martial arts style, Jeet Kundo. He is known as Kato, uh, Kano in the Green Hornet. That's what introduces him to American audiences, basically. He tries to break through, but because it's the racist seventies, sixties, racist sixties and seventies. Hollywood says, well, he can't speak English. No one's going to want to say him, whatever. We're not going to make a movie with him. So he makes movies in Hong Kong. Of course, in Hong Kong, they're like, well, he went to the United States. He's he's a motherfucker. Like, fuck that guy. He doesn't want to make Chinese movies. We're not going to make Chinese movies with him. And then eventually, it gets to the point where someone at Warner Brothers and Golden Harvest saw this guy and was like, we got to do something. This dude is just too damn good and too charismatic to not put in a movie. Oh, yeah. And then his shit got going, and then Enter the Dragon hit, and the the worst, the worst part of it is he dies right after it comes out, or right as it, right before it comes out, I think. And it is in absolutely insane, absolutely insane, that that man died his great the greatest kung fu movie of all time comes out makes 400 times its budget and he doesn't get to see any of it and this the fact that had he lived we would now probably nowadays be talking about bruce lee like we do arnold schwarzenegger when it comes action stars he would be that big internationally he would be massive and it's it's 
it's the worst tragedy in Hollywood, I will say. Like Natalie Wood getting thrown off that boat sucks. The Black Dahlia sucks. Bruce Lee not becoming the largest star in the world <laughs> during his lifetime is the worst tragedy in Hollywood. <laughs> now, and then to get to the movie itself. So I we've said that it's uh just James it's James Bond starring Bruce Lee. It's basically a remake of Dr. No, essentially. It's kind of what it is. <laughs> but the whole inviting a bunch of martial artists to an island to fight it out and see who joins your organization, it's Mortal Kombat. It's the blueprint for Mortal Kombat. <laughs> it is. It is. And that's where Mortal Kombat is. Like, Bloodsport and this movie inspired well, Mortal even, Kombat. Like, this is the godfather of even, like, the Bloodsport genre. There's Absolutely. a big tournament that's invite only, and it's got the best of the best, and it's ran by a shady businessman. <laughs> yep. The only thing it doesn't have is because it takes these these characters that they're invited, the best of the best, and it does kind of slap a uniform on them. So they are all, are all just participating as martial artists, whereas in... um like Mortal Kombat or Bloodsport or even Street Fighter to an extent, you all have these distinct looking characters. These yeah. people are all different. They're in their little different costumes and all that. Even in Bloodsport, they are distinguishable by their styles and everything. And it's in this, you got Bruce, you got John Saxon, and you got Jim Kelly. But then you have Bolo Young. Welcome back to the podcast, Bolo. And you got Bolo Young being Bolo Young. And you have Parsons, who is my favorite character in this movie. The I think he's what, from New Zealand or something like that. Yeah. He picks a fight with Bruce Lee on a boat. Bruce is like, all right, let's get on this dinghy and row over there to that island. You first. <laughs> so he gets on the boat and Bruce just starts letting the rope out. <laughs> and he's like, if you try to sleep, like, if you try to climb up, I'll let the rope go. It's like, just let it go, man. Like, what are they going to do? You're going to get there and Han's going to go, where the hell is Parsons? Where the fuck is Parsons? <laughs> I needed that guy here. <laughs> like, now he's dead in the Chinese sea in the Southeast Asian Sea. <laughs> so, in this movie, like, it's a shame that, uh, that Jim Kelly didn't get more roles, really, because he is so amazing to watch in a fight. Jim Kelly rules, and his career is kind of, and I th- like I mentioned it, I think I mentioned it last week, that uh, Iron Fist and Kung Fu Kicks or something like that, that documentary on Netflix, mm-hmm. where they talk about the Shaw Brothers first. Eventually, they do get into, obviously, Bruce Lee, because you can't not, but they also get into Jim Kelly briefly, and his career is another one of those. It's it's not Bruce Lee being the international action star he should have been. It's Jim Kelly not being like the Hollywood star he should have been because he's a black exploitation star. And he only recently for, you know, in the greater timeline of humanity died. He he didn't die early and he didn't die like tragically young right before his time like Bruce did. Yeah. You know, he died in 2013 at the age of 67. You know, he should have had a gigantic career in the 80s and 90s. He really should have because that was the time when he would have shined. (laughs) Yeah, you throw him in like an 80s or 90s cop movie where he gets into some badass fights. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and he was he was the first black martial arts film star. And the fact that. Bruce Lee 
essentially got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar into doing martial arts. Jim Kelly, I believe, was part of that as well. I think Jim Kelly was very instrumental because he had his own set of school, like Kung, like martial arts schools, and I think it was Crenshaw in, in uh, L.A. But he was very much the guy as well. And of the three in this cast, of Bruce, Saxon, and Lee, and Kelly, for John Saxon to have the career of the yeah. three of them, he's in Nightmare on Elm Street. He's in a couple of the sequels of Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, he's in he's movies. He's in New Nightmare. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's in New Nightmare. Like, the dude had a Hollywood career. And when you look at him in this movie, of the three of them, John Saxon isn't the one you want to see more of. No. <laughs> <It> really isn't. <laughs> Like, no, I want to see more that, of the fact yeah. that his character was supposed to be the one that died, not Jim Kelly's, but his he had the better agent, so they got he got it switched. Yeah, because you know, given the time he was, if if you're doing martial arts, James Bond, John Saxon is your quote unquote Sean Connery. He's the guy you can afford for your martial arts James Bond movie. You know, you're not getting Connery. You're not even getting Roger Moore, who was the active Bond at the time. You know, you're getting you're getting John Saxon, who, if probably given the opportunity, could do a passable Connery impression, which he kind of does here. He kind of does American Sean Connery because mm-hmm. and it always makes me laugh every time I see this movie, the amount of luggage he has on that rinkety little boat that they have. It always reminds me of Spaceballs with the princess checking in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh so i love things i love about bruce lee they had to make him slow down his punches so that they could be captured on film that is that is the that's the frequent go-to when even they've said that about jackie chan they said it about jet lee jet lee especially they said it about for lethal weapon four mm-hmm. um i think a lot of that is kind of apocryphal and i think a lot of it is very much a um, cause Wesley Snipes is the only one that's ever, I think actually been proven to have had to have done it in, um, demolition man yeah. <laughs> because Stallone couldn't keep up. Yeah. <laughs> so they had to have Wesley slow down, <laughs> but in this movie, Bruce is insanely fast. And when he, when he fights O'Hara is when you see it the most, cause he does his legendary six inch punch in that. Mm-hmm. And to get, I can only imagine trying to film that movie but the thing is bruce was so in control of his body you would never have to worry about him hitting you because he's not gonna do it that's not necessarily true he accidentally hit jackie chan jackie chan did an interview on this in this movie accidentally (laughs) accidentally (laughs) let's let's be serious he probably actually hit jackie chan Jackie Chan did an interview on it where he was like, he was an up and coming kung fu fighter who wanted to be in movies, and Bruce Lee was his hero. And Bruce Lee accidentally hit him in the face, and apparently he was like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry." And he was like holding Jackie's head, and Jackie was like, "Bruce Lee's holding me. Bruce Lee's Aww. holding me." He like presses his heart, like head up against him. He's like, "Oh, <laughs> I love you." <laughs> I can't feel my face, but I love you. <laughs> I have, I might be concussed. Right. I'm definitely concussed. I have head trauma right now, but I feel so warm. <laughs> this is the best it could also be the internal bleeding. But, right. It could be the internal bleeding, but this is the greatest day of my life. 
<laughs> but and that's the thing. Like, so when he does those those quick shots on O'Hara on O'Hara, it cracks me up because, like you said, I I could believe it in that scene because you don't see Bruce's hand move. You just don't see it. And he's right back to that original like spot with his hand. So it's like, did he even do anything? It's like, holy yeah. shit. <laughs> did he actually even move just then? And which it's funny because Bruce obviously has that legendary fighting style where he's dancing around and he's very relaxed. And he has the, of course, the wahs and he has all the noises that he makes and everything. It's so funny to see that contrasted with somebody like Bolo Young, who is just out there as like this slab of beef. And he's just, yeah, he's, he's just beef. a former bodybuilder who's not really, he's like an amateur martial artist. He's a guy that was jacked, but flexible enough and physical enough that he could do martial arts. It's just his style was more like the toad in um, Five Deadly Venoms. <laughs> kind of like you can't hurt the guy. <laughs> you just got to, you just going to absorb everything. <laughs> well, that's apparently he got the role because he was just friends with Bruce Lee. <laughs> Which makes sense, man, because Bruce is probably like, look, this guy. This is a guy. Like, he is a villain if I've ever seen one. <laughs> He's like, put him in these movies. Now, again, so this is called the greatest kung fu movie of all time, which legacy-wise, it has to be. Legacy, money, whatever. And the fight scenes are great, but I'm not sure I think they're the most entertaining fight scenes I've seen in martial arts movies. See, that's the thing. With this, they are every fight is so iconic that you I can't think of a, a fight in this movie, at least featuring Bruce Lee, that isn't memorable almost instantly. Like when he takes out basically an island's worth of goons in that underground like lair, basically, every single aspect of that's that's one of the um that's the first time we see Jackie Chan. Actually, it's like he's one of those uh, security goons. He's the one that gets his ass kicked uh, yeah. in there. There's so many little parts of that that are great, especially like the nunchucks and all that. Him, that's it's a iconic scene where he's flipping the nunchucks around. And then even better, you even see like the movie star that was Bruce Lee because in the beginning of this, his basically if you've never seen Enter the Dragon. Bruce Lee is tasked by the British, like, sort like, it's not the American government because the dude's British. <laughs> it's basically like Interpol. Sends him to this island to figure out what Mr. Han is doing nefariously. He needs proof. They need proof of his criminal activities. So he sneaks out one night. He goes searching around. There's this little ventilation shaft that he goes down. He's, it's found out that somebody went out and they used that shaft. So the next night, there's a snake put over that shaft. Okay, A, snakes, not the greatest security device. They are going to leave. <laughs> They're yeah. going to because they hunt at night and he's going to get food. He's not chill. He's not just hanging there until somebody shows up. So Bruce takes the snake, puts it in his bag, goes down the shaft, and he's walking around. He now has the foresight to use this snake against people because he has to break into this little control room. Now he sits down next to the door. He slaps the back of the cobra to get it pissed off. He puts it in the little room. The guys in the room freak out, but then you get the looks on Bruce's face. He's almost bored by having to wait for these guys to jump out the window. And he just has this look in his face. Like he's so cocky. He's so charismatic. And he's so like, he's so damn charming in these movements where you're like, again, this is the movie star that should have been because what do our action stars do nowadays? 
in the middle of a fight, they're cracking a fucking joke and they're making a stupid face. You know, that is the prototype for every single action film star after that. <laughs> and that's, I'm not disputing this movie's iconic nature or that it's a good movie. But in terms of a, like, a big, like, group versus one guy, I think Yip Man had a more. I think it was more focused on the choreography. I like it's less the Bruce Lee show. It's more of how Donnie Yen interacts. But I found that fight to look visually much more stunning. Well, because it's filmed better. It's yeah. it's filmed by a better director. Now, Robert Klaus, of course, if you look at his credits, he's not Spielberg, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the dude is not he's not even Hart Suey, you know. He doesn't even have a double team. But Jim Cotta is a poorly shot movie. It's just yeah. wildly entertaining for how bad it is. But so when you have the director of and I can't remember who directed yet, man, but he's he's a much more competent director. And so that's why that fight scene is those fight scenes are much more are much are much more visually stunning probably to watch because for this it was more of like all right bruce you are the magnetic center of every scene of this like no one's not looking at you so you can do whatever you need to do to make this exciting i'm basically just pointing a camera at you yeah now the problem is and it is a problem of the direction a lot of these fight scenes are close on bruce so when guys show up they kind of just pop into frame yeah and in Yip Man, it's or a when Bruce, shot. K- when Bruce kicks a dummy and it shoots off screen at lightning speed. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like it's also like again eight hundred fifty thousand dollars production value. Yeah, like there is that, but so there are there. Klaus is good at cutting corners and showing you what you need to see to cover up the bad, like mm-hmm. the the budget basically. And Bruce is great at selling everything, and. So, but all of these scenes, and for me to watch these movies, I, I love this movie. And every fight scene is great, but it's always because of Bruce. And even, but even the fight scenes with Jim Kelly, like when Jim Kelly fights uh, Han, even that seems pretty great. When Saxon is uh, match fixing his first match <laughs> against that random guy yeah. and he's having Kelly like kind of juice up the bet with the old man behind him it cracks me up because there's no way Han wouldn't be seeing what Saxon's doing being like wait hold on hold on, hold on. <laughs> I got a criminal thing going on here I don't need your little side shit <laughs> you know <laughs> it's like fight this guy or die <laughs> you know <laughs> but even to see like Saxon because when you see Saxon they show him fight up close and they have him do about the basic moves you can do like kick punch. That's it. <laughs> that's all you need to do. Kelly at least gets a lot more to do because he's an actual trained martial artist. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Saxon's like 1972 trained martial artist where it was like, all right, let's teach him how to kick and throw a punch. And I think we'll be fine. <laughs> all I'm saying is it's, Awesome movie, most successful movie, most iconic, most successful kung fu movie, most iconic kung fu movie. Am I ready to say the greatest? Obviously not. That's Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Yeah, I mean, everyone knows that. Yeah, you'd have to be an idiot not to think that. (laughs) But no, I'm not sure I'm going to call it the greatest greatest martial arts movie. You're just a contrarian, Mike. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. I am a contrarian. Everyone knows it. Like, even... Like the drunken master, 
I had some of the fights in that, at least the one-on-one fights, I think I had more fun with the Drunken Masters fights. Right, because you're a contrarian, and no one agrees with you. <laughs> Everyone's on my side. We all know this. <laughs> but, um, but I mean, speak, when, and just to focus more on, like, Jim Kelly, because everyone knows how fucking great Bruce Lee was. He was he, he's Bruce mm-hmm. fucking Lee. Um, with Jim Kelly, though, for him to be Jim Kelly, and be this tall, good-looking black guy, the iconic afro and everything. Wait, we're not talking about the Bills quarterback who lost four Super Bowls? No, but I actually met that Jim Kelly once. <laughs> <laughs> I actually met him. I was I was in high school. We were I was going down to Florida State for a baseball camp, and he sat in the seat next to me because my dad was a frequent flyer, had like miles out the ass, and we were first class. Jim Kelly sat next to me. My dad and my mom were on the opposite side of the aisle. And he sat down and I looked at him like, I kind of recognize that guy. And, you know, I'm like, I'm fucking 18 at the time. I was like, whatever. I kind of recognize this dude. So, but I look over and I see my dad kind of staring at me like, you know who that dude is, you know? And I'm like, I just kind of looked and the guy looks at me. He's like, Hey, I'm Jim. And I was like, Hey, how's it going? And, uh, like he turned my dad kind of leaned in. He's like, you're Jim Kelly from the bills. And he's like, yeah. Like I shook his hand. The dude had the biggest fucking hands I've ever felt in my life. But he was a really Not nice guy. <laughs> no, <laughs> he was a really, he was a really nice guy. He was just awesome. Like I didn't, I obviously didn't bring up the fact that he was fresh off of being the most legendary losing Super Bowl quarterback ever. <laughs> but it was just a really nice guy. So either way, to have met either of the Jim Kellys would have been great. You know? <laughs> but, but th- this Jim Kelly, uh, uh, black guy Jim Kelly, Kelly, let's say martial arts Jim Kelly. Um, this guy, for him to be in this movie, he's not even really in this movie. He's kind of in it. Yeah. But he's so memorable in it for some of the lines that he has. And he's just that really cool dude. And it's like, um, it's like everyone, you have to prepare. Uh, Han tells him he's got to prepare for defeat. And he's like, when it comes, I won't even notice. I'll be too busy looking good. And I was like, <laughs> okay, awesome line. Terrible sentence to situation to deliver it in, but awesome line because he's clearly threatening you, you know. And then there comes bullshit, Mister Handman, <laughs> you know. Then man, you come right out of a comic book, and that line right there, it's like, okay, you do come guy, right out of a comic book. Like this dude is out of a fucking comic book, and he should have been so much bigger because he has like the cool of like Shaft. Or like a Samuel L. Jackson coming down the pike, you know? It's really, amazing. the takeaway from this is if you're named Jim Kelly, you're doomed to be six, to be talented and successful, but never fully recognized for greatness. <laughs> yep, never actually reached the heights that you definitely should have. But yep. it's 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 wild. And it's a cursed name. It is. <laughs> you're doomed, you're it really doomed is. To be yeah. Discussed in what should have been chats. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like every new, like new, uh, new, um, all new parents of, uh, of boys should be given a list of names to not use. <laughs> Jim Kelly should be right at the top of that list. It's like, this is a cursed name. Well, that, <laughs> Do not use this name. Now, it's like a cursed name, but it's like, is it the worst curse in the world? Like, you're going to, you're still famous. You're still a millionaire. <laughs> you know? and maybe not, maybe not in this Jim Kelly's case, because, you know, the 70s and black exploitation films were, black exploitation films you know they weren't exactly you know barn burners but 
quarterback Jim Kelly made some money. (laughs) He made some, he had endorsements. He made some money. So he's all right. But it's the, the greater aspect of this movie, like the seventies ness of this movie is crazy because if, if you just listen to the soundtrack of this movie, you wouldn't think that it's not a bond movie. You'd be like, the soundtrack of this movie is awesome. It rules. It fucking rules. But if you were to just listen to it and you'd be like, and you're like, okay, you put it on someone, you put headphones on somebody, just start playing. You'd be like, describe to me the movie this is from. They would say, well, Sean Connery is sneaking around. He's doing James Bond shit. It's like, ah, no, (laughs) it is an Asian man kicking ass. (laughs) You know, that's like, really? (laughs) Okay. But is he James Bond? (laughs) Kind of, <laughs> kind of, but then there's the seventies um, and it's, it's, it's Jim Kelly getting his ass kicked by Han in the opium den with the laughing girls. And they're all like painted up like laughing and shit. And I was like, any other time, any other place, any other movie, this would be the most like ridiculous scene in the movie. You'd be like, what the hell is happening here? But in this it's perfect and disturbing all at once because you're like how did they get these girls to laugh like this i can see the edits but jim kelly is getting his ass kicked in front of them it's like in the same shot so they're yeah. still doing it <laughs> but how are they actually on opium <laughs> like it is the 70s <laughs> they, they weren't acting they is were this probably a canon? <laughs> is this a canon <laughs> right. they were just high yeah it's, it's a canon picture but and it's it's so it's so wild because then of course you know the the direct rip off of the bond movies and all that is the fact that han has his like museum of his own shit you know and one of which is his own severed hand (laughs) you know it's like that is bond villain shit right there you know how do you become a bond villain well you have a island fortress okay you need a little more i'm gonna make guys fight to the death combat villain right exactly yeah it's like okay i'm gonna make guys fight to the death okay you're either mortal Kombat or james bond what else you got i have my own severed hand skeletal severed hand on display in a museum in my house congratulations you're a bond villain <laughs> you know or but, mortal Kombat too really. but, and we can't prove that shang song has his uh has a severed his own severed hand or <laughs> whatever but it's it, it's just it's crazy because then there's also the fact that this movie inspired generations of dorm posters. Yeah. <laughs> because if you didn't have the Pulp Fiction poster, you had Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon shot with the slashes on his body, on his chest and all that. And it's it's just crazy because we even talked about Fight Club. My favorite scene in that movie is when Brad Pitt as Tyler Durden in his gaiters and his pants and his his shaved head and his tank top does the enter the dragon like shake in front of the van when he's kicking Ed Norton's ass and he like flips off the coat and he does the head like the the shake to get ready for the fight and I was like when Bruce did it in this my first thought was hey Tyler Durden I was like oh wait no Tyler Durden's doing a Bruce Lee (laughs) but it's again, it's like the influence of this movie on literally everything that came after it is. Oh, yeah, that completely it is the most influential martial arts movie ever. Which is, it's weird because is that genetic? Because Brandon Lee is in the most influential golf movie of all time, I would yeah. argue. 
for for playing and again died without seeing this during the movie that he was filming like didn't see the success of the and the influence of that movie it's yeah, like that, that's that's also true the bruce lee the lee family curse is very real <laughs> that that Just is one like the jim kelly name curse right yes 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 it's it's a it's a, it's a lesser curse <laughs> because you get to live out a for the most part full life <laughs> but it is it is it's it's insane the lee family curse that is that is there and it's it's pretty wild but um yeah and of course then there's just to add to the curse it's like how many mirrors does he break in that final scene that's true did that shorten his life for every mirror like and if he had like, stopped halfway his and his son's life right exactly it's passed on through genetics but uh, bad luck is genetic motherfucker right exactly and then of course we end the movie with a keanu reeves and point break thumbs up (laughs) from bruce lee to john saxon and then he gives that like confident thumbs up and then it's the tired oh god i just got done fighting a war basically (laughs) and it's it's so crazy that you know he would die just months before like a month before the premiere of this movie and if if i ever for any reason of course nowadays it's probably slim to no chance they're actually getting over there to actually get over there to see his like grave because apparently it's still like one of the hottest tourist spots over there you know yeah i could imagine for sure it's it's pretty wild just i i and it's it's so funny because i can go forever not seeing this movie and then pop it back on and know it beat for beat and it's mm-hmm. it's just one of my favorite movies of all time I it's, it's certainly endlessly rewatchable yeah I, I love it and that is probably enough for martial arts month uh, uh my, my... i completely forgot to bring up in, okay. i was looking into the sequels of uh of Once Upon a Time in China. Okay. I didn't realize in Once Upon a Time in China 2, we get Jet Li versus Donnie Yen. Ooh. <laughs> that's that's intriguing. That's I'm like, like that, the, that might make me watch it. It's <laughs> like the dude says. That's fucking interesting, man. But um, yeah, it's kind of like uh, Yip Man 3, I think, with Mike Tyson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's an interesting one. Yeah. And I think they're all available on, I think most of these, well, except for um, Enter the Dragon, I had the Blu-ray for it. Most of these movies, I think, are available on Prime. I think they're uh, at least Drunken Master and um, Once Upon a Time in China was. But um, I think they're, a lot of these Kung Fu movies are available on Prime. But um, also, uh, I have to be, I didn't, I didn't mention this at the top, I probably should say it now because we're, you know, at the end, we're doing our cleanup and whatnot. Google, um, if you Google, I think it's Wu-Tang Shaolin or something like that, you'll get, because YouTube's algorithm is weird, you'll get a video that's uh, the RZA on Vanity Fair talking about the Kung Fu films that influenced Wu-Tang and him. He mentions all three of the movies that we talked about last week. And yeah. he mentioned them as like the most influential movies on you know him and Wu-Tang. And I forgot that Gordon Liu was actually in that Man with the Iron Fist movie that RZA did with Russell Crowe. Like he's like the governor or something, and that he's in that movie. And it's it's pretty wild, you know, to listen to RZA talk about all these movies that we talked about, and for all the reasons that we gave why these movies are awesome. He's like, yeah, it's 
This is why they're the shit. He actually like he's very knowledgeable about all these kung fu movies because that's like his that was his life, you know, before rap and all that. And that's obviously shows in his career and, oh, his, sure. and his rap career and his and even his acting career. But to listen to him talk about it, it's like an eight minute video, something like that. So Rizzo and Vanity Fair talking about Shaolin and his kung fu influences. It's, it's really an interesting video to watch, and it's it's uh, pretty fun. There's also one where Method Man uh, answers questions on the internet, and that's even funnier. So <laughs> we, we all know our favorite subgenre of movies is movies where Method Man shows up when we were not expecting him. Yeah, what was the most recent one we did that in? Oh God, that was um Peppermint. It was Peppermint. Yeah. It was yeah. Peppermint, yeah. Sudden Method Man in that movie was a very welcome surprise. But um, the rest of the movie, not so much. So, uh, Mike, why don't you tell people where they can already find us? All right. Streaming pleasure, you should know, but I'll remind you. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, just about anywhere with Anchor. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Happy Hour Films Podcast and on YouTube. Go support our House of the Dragon series where I play a dickhead snob and Ross plays a dickhead drunk college dude <laughs> so basically ourselves just with yeah. slight accents <laughs> so i'm not a college dude i'm just a dick but um but yeah it's that's those are fun to do we uh are if you want production values go elsewhere you're getting content from us is what you're getting you're not getting visual uh masterpieces you're getting funny it's what you, you think get. i know how to edit videos fuck you yeah, right hell fuck no we're figuring this shit out as we go, and you're going to like We don't it. have interns here who can actually yeah, right. do this shit. Yeah, fuck that shit. Like, my lovely wife is giving us uh, content uh, options we can do, which we will get to eventually, probably after House of the Dragon ends when we get done doing that stupid shit. But then we'll do my wife's fun stuff, because she wants to make us do... Uh, she wants to have us do rom-com roulette, I think is what it is. So she's going to either force us to watch some horrible rom-coms, or she's going to, you know we're actually going to get the chance to watch some decent movies instead, but uh, yeah. it's, it's fun. It sounds like a good idea. We're probably going to do it uh, in a few yeah. weeks or so, whenever house of the dragon ends. But um, anyway, but this, this part of the show and the podcast continues next week. Now for the first time in a while, we have an in-between week mm-hmm. and we could have probably tacked on another Kung Fu week, but we're like, well, we kind of hit the peak with, uh, with these movies, the big three. So we got to do something different. Now, Mike had this idea. A while ago. Now, this is going to be a video before. We might still make it a video. We don't know. But it's definitely going to be an, uh, a podcast where we were going to sit down. I think it was with a uh, previous guest, Taylor, right? She was going to be involved in this. Yeah, I still got to talk to her about it. I think she's still good, but we'll see. But either way, she won't be good after we make her do what uh, what we're going to do. And it's basically this episode is going to be called uh, called Can We Make It Through These Movies? And one of these movies I swore years ago I would never watch ever again in my lifetime. And of course, that had this not going to happen. But we're going to watch three movies that are widely known as some of the worst, most awful, grueling movies to get through of all time. So we're going to watch movie 43. We're going to watch Sex in the City 2 and we're going to watch Cats and we're going to, we're going to see if we, uh, if we can watch them. Basically, we're going to, we're going to kind of talk about how shitty those are. And uh, just kind of do a little silly in between uh, week before we get into our horror October, which uh, in case anyone wants to try to figure out what we're going to watch is going to be some lesser horror icon uh, October. So I'm sure we'll be talking about a guy with a bunch of uh, stuff in his face and uh, a little Irish guy, maybe show up. 
some uh some dolls might be there a doll might be there and uh a bunch of kids in nebraska will definitely be there and uh <laughs> so until the next week when we hopefully have an episode that in case we don't end up killing each other uh i have been ross bacon i've been mike mcguigan we'll see you guys next time so long